0: Hello, Air Warriors. This is Tim Sandlin from the 102nd Intelligence Wing Public Affairs Office. I produce the Chevron's podcast, and as a different different angle on this particular episode, uh, we're going to turn the tables on Chief Master Sergeant Sean Sullivan, and uh, who is one of the hosts of the Chevron's podcast, and find out what he's been up to over the last several months. Uh, he's had recently had a change of position. About six months ago, he became the Massachusetts Air National Guard Command Chief Master Sergeant so uh welcome chief sullivan uh does it feel any different to be on that side of the microphone
1: it it actually does tim uh, we have been doing chevrons now for a year at no time have i ever been nervous going on and doing chevrons <laughs> the only thing i was ever nervous about was making sure i didn't sound like a fool and i was trying to get the best content out of our guests and yeah now i'm a am a little nervous being on the receiving end of this so
0: uh <laughs> Well, as one of the founders of the Chevron's podcast, uh, it's kind of a weird place for me to be as well, because I've never been on the Chevron's podcast short of a quick little, uh, you know, announcement a few months ago, but, uh, this is the first time I'm interviewing anyone. So, um, so we're both like fish out of water here.
1: Well, so far you're doing great. Oh,
0: thanks. I appreciate that. (laughs) That means a lot to me. So, um. So tell us about this new position uh, that that you're in and uh, this position of leadership within our lovely state of Massachusetts.
1: Well, first and foremost, I'm just honored to hold the office of uh, Massachusetts State Command Chief. Um, It it is probably, out of all the different assignments, out of all the different things I've done in my military career, uh, this has definitely been the most humbling. Mm -hmm. And I don't consider it uh, my position. I consider it Our position. I just happen to be sitting in that seat, but my responsibility is all of the air warriors in the Massachusetts Air National Guard and beyond. Uh, I I, I take that very, very seriously. Uh, The greatest part of the position so far has been going around and meeting tons of airmen. I mean, really exposing myself to the 104th, to getting to know the airmen at Joint Force Headquarters, and coming back over and and meeting new airmen in the 102nd. And aside from that, the joint flavor. Uh, We want to be a joint service, a, a, a joint National Guard. But sometimes we forget what joint really means because a lot of times we're only encountering soldiers when we're on a state active duty or we're on a deployment or whatever. So it is so great walking through uh, the, the Joint Force Headquarters offices, engaging soldiers and Army National Guardsmen and Army National Guard senior leaders and seeing how much we have in common with our enlisted development paths and trying to find opportunities where we can converge those paths and start getting a lot more uh, inter-service communication really, really early on on the enlisted process and really find opportunities to really get each to know each other's strengths and to really build upon each other as a National Guard, as a single fighting force, as opposed to just Air National Guard. So uh, those have been the, the biggest eye-opening uh, parts of my job so far. Uh, but like I said, it, it's it's humbling and I just love talking to Army. I mean, there's just so many great people out there.
0: Well, I, uh, you know, I think about what you said with the, uh, you know, the, our compatriots over in the, uh, the army national guard and, uh, you know, here at Otis air national guard base, we're, we're blessed to be co-located with the U S space force and the U S coast guard. And it, it certainly, you know, as, as we like to say on this podcast, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, as long as you wear stripes on your sleeves, you kind of get a shared experience here and, uh, and, and, and that includes enlisted development and leadership and, and all those things. We may call them different things, and there may be different schools and different schools of thought, but it's all for the same the same end, end goal is to develop the enlisted force, you know. And going right back to this podcast, this, you know, you and I got this thing going. That was one of the goals. This was, you know, a, a, a passion project to help the enlisted force. Grow
1: absolutely and, and capitalizing on other things. I mean, we've had uh Space Force um uh, warriors on, um, looking at getting a couple of soldiers on. But another opportunity I've had is being at uh Joint Force Headquarters on Hanscom Air Force Base, right? I've gotten to connect with the command chief up there, Command Chief Ebb, and meet some of his uh his airmen. And I want to start dipping into that talent pool too, absolutely. and get that on as a joint broadcast because. As, as a joint force, we have, as you mentioned, uh, Space Force and active duty components all across the spectrum. There are a lot of bases that are co-located with uh, with AF, uh, uh, you know, regular Air Force personnel as well as international guardsmen and Air Reserve, and we're one big team, one big fighting force. So. Uh, We'd really love to get a couple of a couple of those air warriors on here as well. I'll be working on that in the future. That
0: would be great. That would be great. Speaking of uh, joint force and and going back to the state, uh, the national guard, um, Massachusetts, historically the birthplace of the guard. uh, We have a, we have a saying uh, or a nickname for the Massachusetts national guard and that's the nation's first. I've heard the word first thrown around uh, a bit here and there over the last couple of months. What, What's up with this uh, this first acronym that I keep hearing about?
1: Well, that is uh, one of the things that that uh, uh, my team is working on right now. Uh, we have in Massachusetts which has now become part of Region 1 because it has been exported off to uh, some of the other states so it's kind of uh, turned into a, uh, a regional project and hopefully soon will permeate into the uh, in, you know through the uh, National Guard. but is the time conference? Uh, technical technical sergeants and mentoring others. And that was something that was started by, by retired Massachusetts State Command Chief McDonald, oh, probably about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And what that is, is a professional development capstone event that caters around technical sergeants. Well, when I got my team together, we started talking about what other capstone events can we start adding in in Massachusetts for professional development we started thinking about the E four and E five ranks. That is the best time to really start capitalizing on their professional development because oh, sure. uh, for uh, for staff sergeants, you're looking at you you have a uh, your professional development. What what beyond that? What, what what more can we do? So we decided to come up with a one day event that would be joint. So now we're getting back to that joint thing right. where you have both an exposure to Army E four and E fives with Air Guard e4 and e5s for a one-day historical ride so it's going to start off at uh joint force headquarters there'll be an address by the tag and other senior leaders uh giving him some leadership messages and then they're going to go off they're going to tour the battle sites of lexington and concord and along the way they're going to be teamed up with uh an, a counterpart so it would be a soldier and an airman, and they'll be given different tasks fun tasks i mean nothing mm-hmm. you know that's going to be uh um uh too grueling, but just fun stuff where they can start working together, cooperating, working on little projects together, uh, build camaraderie, uh, build relationships and friendships. And then we're going to end with a little social at the end of the day. So FIRST stands for Forging Inter-Service Relationships and Strengthening Teams. And that will be this September, and again, a one-day event, and it will be uh, along the lines of professional development staff rides that we do in Massachusetts. I know other states have them uh, for senior NCOs. We are doing historical staff ride, uh, a a joint nature, Army and Air Guardsmen. So we're just starting the process uh, earlier in the development path where you're really getting those emerging leaders coming out and really understanding the role of a soldier and soldiers really understanding the role of airmen and how development is is the same across the board. We're trying to develop professional warriors, whether they're air warriors or they're ground warriors, and we're trying to uh, improve that process and maintain proper talent management. So we wanted to start it early in a really fun event, uh, low-key, and really start uh, building up those relationships and understanding of each other's capabilities. So that'll be the first. And the first first, and the nation's first, is going to be uh, in September of this year. So uh, members of the Massachusetts Air and Army National Guard, just stand by for the announcements coming out in that. It'll be uh, 24 people selected, 12 airmen and 12 soldiers, and it should be a good time.
0: That's awesome. And uh, like I alluded to earlier, you know, the birthplace of the Guard, and there's a lot of history here, American history, the early days, you know, the Revolutionary War on, um, so there are plenty of cool things to see like you mentioned Lexington and Concord, you know, the birthplace, uh, of the shot heard around the world, right? It
1: was, <laughs> it was, yes. Um, shot heard around the world. And I also, Old two, six, seven motto.
0: right, right. And I, um, I also, um, it's, it's a great initiative because I, I recall, and I, I, I don't, I think it was a past guest or I can't remember who I, I remember hearing this from, but they, they made the statement of, you know, if you're waiting for staff tech to start, you know, bringing, you know, having these types of events, you're waiting too long because we need to hit these young troops early with this information, um, and get them spun up, you know?
1: Absolutely. It, in ALS, as great as it is, it, it, it shouldn't be the end goal for our, our senior airmen looking to make staff and our staff sergeants. That shouldn't be the end game. It shouldn't just be about that. There should always be other developmental opportunities, both within the wing and offered through the state, that can allow that development to continue. And this is just one thing we're working on. And both command chiefs uh, at both wings and the 102nd, the 104th, uh, have very, very robust talent management and developmental projects going on. Uh, I'm telling you that it it is a great it's a great environment, uh, great command teams. Two, uh, two, new great command chiefs, uh, great leadership across the board. I'm just, I'm just really thrilled, and it, it's a, it's. We just want to really put something forth that the airmen and soldiers can appreciate and can use. We don't want to waste their time. We want to provide them with something really fun and developmental at all levels. And this is the first, we, we have other yeah. capstone events that our team is planning, uh, but this is the first one we're going to leash, And so uh, we'll, we'll save details about the others until they're actually ready to, uh, to come on out.
0: Sure, of course. And I have to say that uh, being an old timer like yourself, um, this sounds like it's going to be a fun event. And I know coming up through the ranks years and years and years, decades ago, uh, not all these things were, were fun. You know, a lot of these events were like sit and listen to a lecture, sit and read a book, sit and do a CBT. You know, this sounds like a kind of a hands-on, you know, full day event. That's going to be fun for these airmen and soldiers. And, uh,
1: that's great. Absolutely. It, it, in all the events that we're planning are, are going to be the same. Um, the, I think that we get, a good education through a lot of the virtual PMEs, a lot of the virtual trainings that we can we have, but we don't need any more. Right. What we need more of is face-to-face interactions, problem solving. And if there's something developmentally that you need as a leader, uh, setting something up where it's an actual do action, where you're actually accomplishing something. Because I know for me, there's a far greater sense of accomplishment for me when I actually team up with with people I might not have previously worked with and find something that we have to conquer and we team up and we utilize our skills and our brain power and different aspects of leadership and we accomplish this, this thing as opposed to listening to some material, possibly having uh, an index quiz of some type right. and then receiving the, you know, you accomplished it. That's great. Um, it's necessary. But We want to take that and and build upon it. Uh, And that's the first is going to be our our first attempt to do that Uh, for anybody who's attended the time conference realizes that the time conference where it does have a lot of lecture, there's also a lot of involvement. And I think the more of that you have, the more emotionally vested that you become in these opportunities that you have, the more you're going to take away. The more you're going to come away with skills that are viable, usable, and that can translate and, and resonate through the force and through your airmen.
0: Fantastic. So what else is going on in your life here in the new position? You, you know, you got you got a lot of irons in the fire, Chief.
1: I do. One thing I want to talk about is I just had the opportunity to get back from uh Blackburn. I went down there for the command chief master sergeant course. It it was a good course, but um, there was something, there was a take home for me, something that resonated to my very core. Having come from the Marine Corps, as far as enlisted uh, basic training, Mm -hmm. I had never witnessed a Air Force graduation from BMT, Uh, never had that opportunity. Uh, So our class went pretty cool, right? I tell you, um, I'm not afraid, not afraid to admit it. I got choked up four or five times and I almost cried. Yeah. It was the single most moving experience I have ever had in my life. And afterwards, we were allowed to go uh, amongst the recruits, which is really fantastic. So our class is going around and we're talking to these, these brand new graduated airmen, seeing the enthusiasm, the hope, just the joy, the pride, their families. You know, we're taking we're grabbing the cameras from moms and dads and taking pictures, you know, for them. Uh, there one airman standing at the position of parade rest. I didn't even realize I had to tap him for him to talk to me. I'm sitting there <laughs> standing there talking to me. He's a parade rest looking at me. And I'm like, and one of the chiefs comes up and whispers in my ears, you have to tap him or he has to stay late. I'm like, really? You know, I, I tapped him yeah, out, yeah. And, you know, learned all about that. It was great. Um, we also had the opportunity afterwards. the Command chiefs got together and got to do a tour of um, the BMT training grounds where, they, had, where they, they actually had a class going out. We, we didn't uh, integrate with any of the recruits at the time, but we got to speak to the TIs. We got to take a look at the curriculum that they're utilizing to train our young airmen. I was so impressed. I'll tell you right now, one of my trigger points is going to be from the old curmudgeons like us, when you hear them turn around and say, oh, yeah, they don't train airmen like they used to. I never want to hear that again. Right. It was the most professional thing I've ever seen. The way that, that they have it down to a science. And these young airmen are just awesome. And then walking around uh, Lackland after that, you know, and they're hanging out with their parents yeah. and they're in their free time. And I'm talking to so them like, where are you going? Where are you going? And the, and back in my day, if anybody who had one or more stripes than me came up to talk to me, I would mute, I would shut down, I would fold like a, like a chair, I wouldn't know what to do. They were so professional. They understood I was a command chief master sergeant, but they also understood that I wasn't some mythical beast that only existed in the command structure. They wanted to engage. They wanted to provide opinion. I walked away with such an appreciation for the young airmen that we are bringing into the Air Force in in all three, the, the reserves, the National Guard, and the active component. I am just so impressed and just so overjoyed to be part of this operation right now. It, it was the single most bluing and moving experience yeah. I had the opportunity to uh, to go through. And if it wasn't for the fact that I had this opportunity to become a command chief, I would have never had that moment in time. So uh, thank you to my leadership for selecting me and allowing me to sit through that and and just, just have that moment.
0: Well, what I take away from that story that you just told, you know, it's interesting is, you know, you've got no stripers, one stripers, two stripers, just recent graduates that day from basic training. You're that day graduate of the command chief master sergeant course. You're both students. You're both enlisted. You're both on opposite ends of your careers. Um, some, something to that, They're, you know, that's really, really, really surreal. And I, and I wonder if any of those young airmen realized the
1: significance of that student to student basically right that's a good point that's a good point um i don't know if it's something that they'll fall back on when they're command chiefs and they're sitting in you know 25 right. 30 years from now and they're going through the same i don't know but it was impactful to me and i appreciated every single yeah. one of those young men and women who gave me 5 or 10 minutes of their time just to hear their stories i mean they it kind were, of um, they're fantastic
0: it it uh the, the whole structure of our, you know, our standard interview on Chevrons is bringing in a junior airman and a senior, you know, enlisted leader. And, you know, as many, you know, differences in one's career and one's perspective, there are just as many similarities. And and that's what, you know, it's pretty, pretty interesting right. perspective.
1: Um, and it's good to see that we're doing it better. I mean, yeah. I'll tell you, Tim, um, the most disappointing moments I had in my career where were at times, this was all three branches of the service I served in. Um, for those in the audience who don't realize that I was a Marine and a soldier and now an airman, uh, don't ever ask me which one is my favorite because it's a pretty, pretty safe bet. It is the air force. And I can give you a million reasons why, sure. but not to take anything away from any of the other branches of the service. Um, I was honored to be able to be part of all of them. Uh, but v- The one thing I fall back on is that there were so many times in my career back in the day where you felt like you didn't have a compass or a map. You always try to figure out how are some people developing and how are some people not developing? It's like who had the keys to the keys to the inner city? You know, who who was around that could kind of direct you and. A lot of the opportunities I had and developmental things I did were just by virtue of having a really great mentor, you know, falling upon um, uh, Chief Master Sergeant Amatucci or uh, a retired Chief Master Sergeant Lori Moran or somebody like that that really understood development and kind of gave me some keys, but we didn't have this ironclad pathway. And I'm just so impressed with the way that the Air Force is now going about changing that, everything from the way that we're going to be doing uh, EPRs mm-hmm. and making sure uh, you know the ACAs are completed, you know your your midterm feedbacks before uh, EPRs, for actually having tangible ways to track um, you know airmen leadership qualities and what those are, and to really work our talent management across the spectrum. I just I, I'm so happy to be involved in that evolutionary process from back in the days we were sitting there and you'd board for something and you'd ask afterwards, you know, the, the, the typical, okay, what do I need to, you know, what, what happened? What did I do wrong? Oh, nothing. It it just, you know, you were good, but you weren't good enough. Okay. What do I need to do? I just keep doing what you're doing. How can I improve? Okay. But (laughs) what am I doing? And where, where do I go? Nope, Nope. You're good. It just wasn't your time. Okay. I'm more confused walking out of that than I was walking in. Uh, so I, it, just to see it all the way from basic training to how we're training our, our new airmen and all the way through uh, to what we're trying to accomplish now uh, through our leadership at, at, at all the uh, uh, at, at all the enlisted tiers uh, just it's just a really exciting time it, it really really is and uh, uh, just nice to try to n- nice to try to leave the house a little bit better going out the door than when you came in.
0: Well, that's, that's really the goal, right? You know, it leave, leave is, it a it little better than, for all than you found it, you know, uh, push, keep pushing the boundary, keep pushing the, the line up. Awesome. Awesome. So, uh, what's
1: next on the agenda? Well, I'm, I'm starting to get out, uh, some of the messaging on what I consider to be my priorities. When I say mm-hmm. I consider to be my priorities, um, these are just like my personal lines of effort because if you look at at the all the lines of effort coming coming down uh from general brown uh the tag has his lines of effort um the uh general gaglio air component commander has hers wing commanders have theirs but a lot of times the lines of effort are all similar we're yes. all pulling in the same direction so uh My four focus areas start with developing the 21st century warfighter. That's number one. So anything I message anywhere across the board, it's going to be by by developing our 21st century warfighter. What are we doing now to develop our our next generation of warfighter? Uh, You know, continuous development is the case, the key for the success of our air warriors. And we really need to individualize our development plans. And as a force, really get down, you know, staff sergeants sitting down with their their A1Cs and their senior airmen and tech sergeants sitting down with their staff sergeants and all the way up the line and really individualizing what they're doing for development. And I think that speaks across the spectrum. That's just not, you know, something that I'm thinking about, but I talk to command chiefs all across the the 90, and we're all kind of focused on that. So that's one of the key areas I'm going to be hitting on. Another is really enhancing our capabilities through uh, diversity and inclusion, uh, particularly inclusion, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I don't think that there's any, any systematic errors that we're making other than the fact that we just got to be cognizant of it and making sure that we're including everybody, that we're hearing all the voices and we're developing talent and opportunities and we're affording them to all airmen. Uh, I just want to keep that messaging going on. And I know that's universally applied through all of our leaders. I also want to see a lot more empowerment, uh, removing roadblocks. I think one of the saddest things I hear continuously, not just from uh, from airmen here, I'm talking about, you know, going across the 90 because I've had the opportunity to visit a lot of a lot of wings the last six months outside of Massachusetts. And I'll occasionally hear, hear airmen, uh, particularly DSGs, say that they they don't feel empowered. They, they feel like when they come to drill, the full timers are doing more than the part timers or they feel like they're not empowered to solve problems. And I think that when you, to maximize the creation of an effective leader, Mm -hmm. we have to develop an airman where they feel free of bureaucracy and they can problem solve independently. I think we're doing a good job with it and we're making great strides because as you know, Tim, we come from that, that old school era where it was, oh, okay, yeah. uh, hi, brand new E3, uh, go sit in the corner and color. Right. And if sure. I want your opinion, I'll tell you what it's going to be. And I think we're doing a great job, but I, I, I still like to see, you know, more of that empowerment, uh, more roadblocks removed, uh, so we can really teach our airmen at a young age how to ind- independently solve their problems and encourage ideas and feedback. And that also goes into uh, a lot of what we're looking at for innovation. If we start doing it at our level, then that's going to tie in with all the innovation that our senior leaders, are, uh, the TAGs, um, air component commanders, et cetera, want to see You know, this innovation coming up because they want to hear the voice of the airmen because that's where all the best ideas are.
0: Right. And, and, the last, and they're the future of, you know,
1: absolutely. they're the future leaders. Absolutely. Yeah. And the final thing, and this is universal, mm-hmm. every I, I, you, you'll hear it in every messaging from the action orders on down, we need to understand and really fully comprehend um, our adversaries. Uh, History is full of situations where armies and nations lack an understanding of the capabilities and the intentions of their counterparts. We can't fall into that trap right now. We right. can't fall into a malaise. We need to understand the capabilities of our adversaries and you need no to do no more than turn on the news right now and see what's going on around you but we need to have our under our airmen really understand how to connect those dots um to be able to ferret the information from the misinformation and i don't think we can have enough briefings or enough information presented from our senior leadership our senior leaders um and our senior NCOs and NCOs across the board, right. uh, we can't, I don't think we can have enough conversation about understanding the role of China and Russia in the world today and what things mean and have them understand uh, how this, this changing climate is going to work. It's the only way you can be mentally prepared for the next conflict. That's so right. th- those are my lines of effort. And again, they're, they're not just strictly, you know, Massachusetts things. If you look at all these different lines of effort that we, we hear about everything from, uh, um, chief of staff's action orders all the way through, you know, your wing commander's priorities. These things usually align. Right. And that's just a lot, What uh, a lot of what I'm going to be doing, a uh, heavy mess, uh, heavy messaging on as we move forward.
0: That's outstanding. Outstanding. So uh, the, the, the airmen of Massachusetts are in good hands. It sounds like.
1: Uh, the airmen of Massachusetts are in fantastic hands because there are fantastic leaders. Yes. At the tech sergeant level, the staff sergeant level, airmen, I mean, you know, one of the most impressive emerging leaders that I know, Tim, is A1C Scardullis, who is my co-host on this podcast. Yes. And the only reason she's not here right now is because, she, what was she doing, Tim?
0: Uh, she's working she followed- on, well, she's, yeah, she <laughs> she has been on a, what, two-month, three-month uh, state active duty mm-hmm. tour um, supporting COVID operations. It's our task force powder horn. Um, and she just came off of that. So she's just taking her leave and, uh, she'll be back with us. But what a, what a great story. And, you know, and a great story of volunteerism and, uh, stepping up when asked, you know, which is, yep. you know, all guardsmen, you know?
1: And, and you know, what impresses me the most about doing our podcast Tim, is that we have this perspective. Come on. We, we, we when we put our guests together, um, We, we always try to have that junior enlisted voice with the senior enlisted voice and nine times out of 10, the most interesting perspectives and the best part of the podcast is what's coming up from, you know, the E2 or three or E4 that's on the podcast with the chief or the command chief or the senior enlisted leader. Uh, That, that to me is really encouraging. So that's my mojo. I'm just, I'm just really excited for, to be around them Uh, because that just provides my juice. Uh,
0: And we are lucky to have Erin Skridulis in our public affairs office. She is an outstanding, outstanding troop.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: So, um, yeah, you have any, anything else you want to share with our audience? Anything uh, else?
1: Uh, uh, No, Just, uh, we're working, we're, we're, we're trying to work as, a synergistic unit, meaning the 102nd, the 104th, and and our office, You know, we, we have uh, continuous sync ups. Uh, I'm doing a lot of visits. Uh, I My plan is to quarterly go to uh, each wing, uh, not to get in the way of those command chiefs at all, uh, but just to be there, to show that presence, to see where where we mm-hmm. as senior leaders can provide direction. Um, and also working with our Army, with our Army counterparts and um, the uh, chief senior list leader for the state uh, right now, uh, Sergeant Major Whitberg, and working very closely with them to try to find these opportunities and really enhance a lot of the opportunities we have across the state each year with the with, uh, Um, Air and Army working jointly together, things like the Best Warrior, uh, the German Armed Forces, our various marksmanship competitions. Uh, Our office has set up teams. So we have people in each wing embedded in those wings that are going to be the POC subject matter uh, uh, experts. They're empowered by my my office to speak in my voice and to seek out um, uh, early opportunities, early information, and to really set up are, are air warriors for success in these competitions. Uh, nothing would be better than for something near and dear to me, the German Armed Forces Competition Badge. I uh, I love that. But nothing would be better than to have you know, these points of contact in each wing working with the respective command chiefs and their commands, already have teams trained up, ready to go, uh, in the loop with Mr. Vincent uh, on the Army side, CW5 Vincent, who runs that program already getting early, um, fragos. And that's another thing These everyone will have the opportunity to see these early fragos and to really look at, um, a frago, which is, which is, uh, a, a joint thing, but comes down from the army, the army utilizes them a lot and to look at it, decipher what is it, how does it work? How does it relate to me? How can I pull it? So it becomes developmental yeah. in and of itself. And then to find other opportunities in the, in there. Uh, have those teams trained up and ready to go, you know, set them up for success, different things like that. Um, sure. So it, basically, it's kind of a blanket thing. Uh, we look at at our team as not just, uh, you know, my office and the people who, who work directly within the office of the command chief of Massachusetts, but also these other leaders in both wings and the respective command chiefs in both wings all of us working together and pulling together on the same threads and pulling in the same direction is going to build a better total Massachusetts national guard force with a better prepared Massachusetts air national guard airmen. So those are our goals right now. Awesome. Great. Lofty and I got two and a half more years to <laughs> at least get the ball a little bit closer. And in the meantime, I'm going to be trying to develop a, uh, Uh, as many chiefs to uh, take over my position as soon as possible and uh, continuously build the bench of talent and keep this, uh, keep this ball ever moving forward.
0: Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, thanks for spending a little time with me uh, today, chief. And, uh, and, you know, I'm going to hand the keys right back to you for next month's episode, you and uh, Aaron Scardullis.
1: I I, I am very much looking forward to it.
0: (laughs) And I'll slide back over and start uh, working on the mixer. Uh, back in my more comfortable spot.
1: <laughs> we all find our positions of comfort, but once in a while we have to uh, get out of our comfort zone for a little bit of additional development. So uh, that's right. Uh, Tim, it was a pleasure having this conversation with you, my friend. And thank you for all that you do for the 102nd. I, I have to say that the products that your office puts out are fantastic, um, they resonate. Uh, this podcast has been a joy to film. I mean, I just think back; it all started with just a brief conversation you and I had in the hall one day. Right. And the next thing you know, it, it's we're we're chugging along uh, for a year, and um, you know, we we have some really big big guests on the horizon. Yes, and I'm looking forward to uh, you know to, to talking to them, as well as some of our other airmen and. Uh, um, bringing in people from other uh, components too, uh, bringing in some, um, some, some Coast Guardsmen and uh, some soldiers and, and really increasing uh, the value of this podcast for its listeners.
0: Fantastic. I'm looking forward to the
1: future. Oh, me too. It looks bright, my friend, it looks bright.
0: <laughs> All right, well, fantastic. And uh, just a couple of words for our listeners. Uh, thanks, thanks again for listening to the Chevron's podcast. Uh, We'll return again next month with another great episode. And uh, that's it. That's Chevron's. We are signing out.